Just before we get started, I want to share with you one of our sponsors and a secret to our success. I don't know about you, but I got into commercial property to build a more passive income. But how do you manage multiple clients and contracts in multiple buildings without spending all of your time on endless spreadsheets? After a lot of research, we use Office R&D, the best flexible workspace software to manage our CMO buildings, co-working and flexspace. For starters, the automated bill run saves hours of work and means we don't miss any revenue. Plus, I can get many reports on the performance of each product and location. But here's the real clincher. We all need to focus on customers more and our clients can now use our app to access buildings, book meeting rooms, review their invoices. And there's a great feature where they can interact with our member community. And this is all managed from within the Office R&D platform. There's a partner link in the show notes so you can book a demo. Take a look, see how the system can improve your operations and customer experience. Right, make yourself comfortable. Let's get on with today's show. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This show is all about commercial property investing for the private investor. Whether you're just getting started or scaling up your portfolio, through interviews, tips and lessons learned along the way, we want to give you the inspiration, knowledge and confidence to enjoy this great cash-flowing strategy. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We have something a little different for you on this episode. We're going to take you behind the scenes to one of our recent CPI member sessions. CPIs, Commercial Property Investor, by the way. As well as the podcast, we do run some more intensive support for those that are keen to get involved with commercial property. And our different programs have a few elements to them that include things such as site tours, mastermind sessions, both online and in person, deal analysis sessions, and guest speakers. We also bring on a podcast guest for a special Q&A session with our CPI members. And these sessions are recorded so members can catch up on them later on. So this week, we've decided to let you in on one of the recent recordings from a recent session. Back on episode 84, a good friend of mine, Stephen Clark, joined me to talk about his commercial development that he'd just taken on. And then he came back for a podcast guest slot exclusively for our members very recently. And for those of you who know Stephen, you'll know that he's been prolific in both property investment and on social media. Stephen's online activities have really helped grow his business and brand position. And in this session, we asked him to share some of his tips and experience with the world of social media. The good, the bad and the ugly. If you want to learn how to join our other CPI members who are developing their own commercial portfolios, then just drop me a line. Our contact details are in the show notes and you'll find me on Instagram at jerryalexander.commercial. We're actually launching a new nine-month mastermind programme in August of this year. Details will be in the show notes too. I might do a short podcast actually when I think about that later on in this month. So if you're interested in furthering your property investment journey with taking on commercial property, then look out for that episode. See how we can help. Right then, let's hand over to Stephen and the group and have a listen into that great conversation. Stephen, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How are you, Jenny? How are you doing, everyone? Good. Yeah, very good. Thanks. Good to see you. Am I late to the party? Um, well, the party's just been waiting for you. That's all. <laughs> Guest of honour and all that. <laughs> so, thanks for joining us. The angle I wanted to talk about first, because you were on the podcast back in September, was about Kelty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted to talk a little bit about social media, because obviously you've been pretty... Um, prolific in social media and and it's 
important to point out, you've got kind of two businesses really there. One is the investor hat, and the other one is the training hat as well. Mm-hmm. So, and and it's sometimes, you know, when you're doing social media, it's hard to distinguish sometimes doing the two. So it was really to talk about some of the results you've had from doing your social media stuff and maybe just some tips for other people as well of what they could do. In terms of your social media stuff, when when did you really start working that up? Because you've always been doing a little bit there, but I think you got a bit more serious, obviously. Yeah, probably about 2016 when I kind of quit offshore. I think the shackles were away from the day job and you're taking the going from this amateur investor to shit, this is not my business and my my income stream. I need to take this more seriously. So probably 2016. I found it really fascinating because the first post you're posting up about property or business related, and everyone will kind of sense that 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 starting out phase when you do something like that, you kind of stepping out the comfort zone. Remember, people come up to me and what you've got a property. It's like I've got quite a fucking a few actually, but it was it was the the kind of amazement to people that you've known for 15 years, like quite closely. They didn't even know you had a additional property. Never mind a portfolio or or anything on the side because it wasn't something that it wasn't something that was you shouted about. You know, I didn't realize there was a community of people around you doing similar stuff and and that you can grow your business from shouting about that and building a, a personal brand, so to speak. I think you've got a pretty clear strategy now, haven't you, on what you're trying to achieve from it. Can can you maybe just sort of share with us some of those things that that you, some of those objectives, I guess, you've got from social media, from your property side? So starting out, it was probably like throwing mud at a wall and hoping that something sticks, but just putting out out there that you were you were doing stuff and and showcasing it. Um, it always felt like you were shown off because you were showcasing a deal, but in a property investment, that's what we're doing. We're buying it for a certain price, so we're spending so much on it and making a profit. We're talking about cash flow. So that was the hardest kind of hurdle to jump over. But what I found, um, I, I found it was very much on, it was more about than the personal brand and attracting like-minded people and, and building a network and a community more so uh, was the first objective. And then when you realised that you were putting that much kind of content out there that, you know, you'd, I, I quickly kind of, re, well, I didn't quickly realise, I realised after all a couple of years of spending probably the best part of 20 hours a week replying to social media messages coming through and it was mostly people asking questions on, you know, what do I do here? What could I do there? I'm looking to buy this, I'm looking to buy that. And it was more educational side thinking, there's there's a low-hanging fruit for, for me for social media because the purpose on it at this point was, well, how do I attract more investors? How do I attract more deals, more opportunities, more joint venture partners to grow the business. But the low-hanging fruit for me was people were out there that actually wanted to know, didn't have a clue, and maybe related to your personality. So so that was when the, the focus kind of shifted going into probably COVID lockdowns, kind of end of 2019, going into 2020, when we started the podcast. Um, then it kind of become a bit apparent, like, oh, well, I'm spending this much time doing it and not charging for it. And, and, and Ross McElveen was probably one of the biggest, you know, turning points for me. I think he wasn't working with you at the time, Jerry. I think he was still working for uh, Oliver Nob as an architect and he wanted to get any property and I, I knew him as a friend. So you'd sit down and have a coffee and it would be the pick your brain kind of thing. But because it was a friend, he didn't mind. And then two days later, he's shown up at the same property. Yeah. He's going to three days later. And I know he's offered more than me and, he, and he's sitting <laughs> on a, a large salary. And I'm going, I'm giving all this value for, for free. Like the social media... This putting this content out there is all is attracting messages and people asking you for your knowledge and your experience that you've built up over this long period of time. So why not 
uh, try and monetize it in a sense. So that's that was where the kind of the splits kind of came from to say, well, here, here's a you can grow your profile, your, your your personal brand, but you can also take the low hanging fruits as they come, and and that was kind of introduced the kind of the property kind of training side of it as well. Yeah, so you started, yeah, there was an opportunity to make some an opportunity to add an income stream there, but. But fundamentally, though, you... I think you're, I've seen you already built up, to be, to be fair, because you'd already done the hard work building the social, the, yes. the personal brand that it didn't take much. The, you know, the first couple of workshops were quite successful and, like, filled out quite easily. I'll say that. I, I say that kind of now because I know they're more hard than now about marketing strategies. I'm trying to put a budget together with it. But at the time, you'd already built, done the, the hard work was probably beforehand that it was quite easy to go, well, there's the, the low-hanging fruit, yeah. But for those that are not too bothered about doing training and that sort of thing... The other side of it, though, is just about all you, know, you can clarify, Stephen, but as far as I'm aware, just about all your deals are privately investor mm. um, funded, certainly from the, at the start, at the early stages, and then you maybe flip them on to more mainstream stuff. Mm. Um, so maybe you can talk through that and how social media has helped with that, but then also about deals. Yeah, um, I think social media has helped. Definitely for private investor finance because it's giving you that know, like, and trust. People can follow your journey, know you're not a fly by night and you're, you're, you're here and gone. You've got a bit of track record and you do what you say you're going to do. Um, the deal side, it's something just pung up on the deal side. Though, a couple of times that even you know, now is I've probably got, I've got, a, I know a handful of properties at closing dates where I, I certainly wasn't the highest offer. And that social media kind of personal brand and that the estate agent knew, then they they kind of vouch for you to the client to say, you know, okay, there's he's maybe the third highest offer, but you know, I can I can kind of vouch for him and say that he'll do what he says they'll do. He's a professional, he's not just you know, he's he's not going to make this offer and not conclude stuff. So so it definitely, even on the market, this the social media aspect is um has been quite has been quite good. Um opportunities you usually do come through social media people reaching out and saying that they're, you're looking to buy um from a you know someone in their personal networks but now is that that personal brand's going to kind of property circles and investors and people taking it more seriously it's definitely approaching it's definitely attracting more um more portfolio opportunities yeah. more recently as well and um, so I, so it's probably a, a growth with the social media it's those projects to scale really because people are a little bit more that the, the focus is a bit narrower on who you can sell it to. So in mm. commercial, you might you might use an agent, but if you've got a portfolio, you may you may try and use an agent. I mean, these part of the reason why some you weren't on the call earlier, but I was talking about some that I've been looking at. Part of the reason they're not on the market is because the the landlord doesn't want anybody to know. Mm. <laughs> it's just kind of odd, isn't it? But uh, if you're doing you a portfolio, that, you find that that's very very often with. Properties that are looking to you know sell, and even in single units, you'll find that people don't want to put a first sale sign on their in their garden and attract their neighbours that they're that they're selling for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, portfolio is definitely commercial. Definitely, you know, what I mean, if they've got a business in situ and they're looking to sell, the, the last thing they want to know is the uncertainty the business is occupying their space that they're that they're selling up. That they're selling up, yeah, yeah. And finance wise. Have you had people directly reaching out to you or has it been more just a case that you're drip feeding that social media and it gives you that um, background story for when you do have those conversations? 
Um, both, both, and, and it was more the the, the kind of the, the, the latter, the background kind of story. Going, you can go and research my type thing, and you can look it up, and you'll see. And then I'll come back to you a couple of days later and, and kind of go ahead. But um, what I found recently is people reaching out directly on social media. But I do think that's got a lot to do with the negative media with inflation and people knowing that if they've got money sitting there at all, they need it to work. So you're find you're finding probably private investors are becoming easier so rumors positioned in the right place going forward we'll probably find they'll get a lot of opportunity for for private finance coming soon um last week was a good example because it, i thought that it was one of these message requests that come through facebook and anyone that knows message me on facebook knows that i probably didn't even get back to most people that i've got as a friend on facebook but the ones that come for his request you, you know you don't even notice that we notification sign at the top left hand corner where it's like oh shit there's someone that you're not connected with reached out and I noticed that when I was on holiday and uh, there was a guy just reaching out with, you know, straight to the point, I'm looking to invest some money. I've just listened to a couple of your podcasts and it wasn't, so obviously I don't have them on social media, so it wasn't this comfortable with me and what I do and what I could find. It was, I've just listened to a couple of podcasts, looked you up Facebook, didn't even hit the, I don't think he hit the, the follow button but um, or, or, or add friend button, but it was this reach out straight away. And I chucked him to Sam because I was on holiday. He said, look, can you have a call with this guy? He's got some money he wants to, to, to invest. And I mean, it was only 35 grand, but it dropped into my bank, like literally that day. And I, I thought, I mean, the, the page is private, so I'm assuming he's went and looked and had a, had a little a nose, but probably should have been one of two things. Personal brand on social media is there and strong enough that, that there's that instantly. I don't need to kind of do too much more due diligence. But the other thing is that, you know, people need to make their money work hard for them and, and very hard quite quickly. So it means that maybe, maybe there's a, a desperation and private investors but I found that one quite interesting because it wasn't this no like or trust oh yeah I followed you for a couple of years and now I want to invest this was I've not followed you I've just listened to a couple of podcasts and here I want to get this money out so I, th- I found that one interesting I've had people that um, will reach out and and you've no idea they were listening or no idea they were watching absolutely none whatsoever but they know you pretty well or at least an element of what you, who you are and what you do, but it's extraordinary. So you, you think some of the stuff you're doing, you think, crikey, you know, this is a lot of effort sometimes, but you just don't know who it's reaching and what the implication is going to be. So it's it's being consistent. Yeah, yeah. I actually find the the ones that have reached out and, and you know, you've, you've met up when they've, they've kind of been a private investor, when you actually have the conversation, get the money in, you'll probably look back a few posts and just go and check and you'll well find that, I don't think I've actually come across any private investors who've liked or engaged in any of my posts. So you were that one that was thinking, oh, I'm going to go and build this social media brand and I want to look at the vanity metrics as a, as a measurement to see how this is doing. It's the wrong way to do it because these these ones that have invested money have never ever engaged with anything. So if there was no engagement, you'd think after a few weeks, a few months, go, oh, fuck this, this is not working. I, I'm not putting this effort into it. But you're right, they're... They're watching, they're listening, they're, they're, they're taking their time, they're deliberating over what they want to do and if they want to work with you. So I find that very, very interesting because it's like the, this, this, the, the social media stalkers, if you like, and you kind of have to accept that when you put yourself out there that you're putting, you kind of have to show what's and all. You have to put a bit of family up and hobbies and interests outside property and business to kind of show that you're a real person as well. And then... Yeah, I still get this awkward feeling like even I went through to the, the Glasgow Scottish Property Podcast Network event on last Wednesday and like you no, know, the amount of people that would come up and it'd be like they mention your daughter by name or they'll, they'll say something you're like it's fucking creepy but you have to accept that that's just if you're putting yourself out there that someone's going to have to know that someone needs to know something about you to kind of 
break down the barriers of uh, of entry level, I suppose. Yeah. So for those that don't know, it's um, Stephen's podcast. He does co-host with Nick is a Scottish property podcast, and uh, you uh, you you've been running events for about four months, five months. Yeah. So and each evening that the events run, it's run in four different locations simultaneously. So that's the first time you've been to the Glasgow one, is that right? Yeah, first in the Glasgow one. I'm up yeah. in the flower mill on next month, so I'm looking forward to doing the one. Closer. So, so when you turned up in Glasgow um, with this audience that probably all know you pretty well, and your daughter and, and everything else, weird. <laughs> um, did you have many uh, fans coming up to speak to you? <laughs> there was, a, you know, there was an older guy that came up and you know, congratulations on the black belt for someone just I used to train with so and so. It just, it just, it just starts that conversation flowing like they feel like they're. I, I mean, I'm an in- introvert at nature. Like I don't, I'm, I've got no small talk. I've really got no time for bullshit and, and chitty chat. I'm pretty introverted. If I went to network events, I wouldn't speak to anyone. So I know that going to these events, I kind of have to be doing a talk or like that for me to get the benefit out of it. Um, so yeah, I'd have been the one that would have sat in the back of the room and said nothing the whole event, but being the person that was doing the, the guest speaking slot, I suppose, and then like you say, everyone known you because of that, it, it still feels quite weird, even when you kind of, you've, it's been a few years now and you're still like, shit, it's strange that, that people know you and ask questions, or it's good because <clears throat> there's none of that awkward chitty chatty stuff, which I don't like anyway. So that so the fact that they can break into conversation straight away because they feel more comfortable with you, it makes me feel more comfortable to just start chatting straight away. So so it's probably another positive from social media that it breaks down that 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 barrier of communication straight away. That if they feel comfortable, they can start chatting, and then you're you're into you know what's it you're doing, what you're looking to do, and you can probably get a bit of synergy quite quickly rather than sitting and standing and talking to the same person for 20 minutes, 30 minutes and really going, that was a waste of time. I'm never going to work with that person. So yeah, there's there's definitely the, the pros for that. My technical question was, Stephen, do you write your social media yourself? <laughs> it becomes a bit of a, a job, a task and one of the one of the one of the many in a in a small business that you really want to I want to outsource I'd, I'd I'd love not to do it. But I feel like it's important, especially building until the point you don't need it. It's one of these things the, the kind of necessary evils um, I try and group it all together when I do do it like I will try and sit down on a, a Sunday night for an hour or two and just scribble some content ideas and, or if I did it myself it'd be, I'd be organised they post in advance so I knew that I could take the onus out of doing them because what I found before was that if you kind of set up the week without that planning and just started diving into the week there was, there was that week or that two weeks went by with no posts and you were like oh shit I've not posted because I didn't plan it in advance and then the business and life just got in the way where I didn't have time to sit down and, and, and come up with the content. So you'll see when there's posts that come out, it's usually done, done kind of well in advance and, and yeah, scripted because I think you don't want to be, can he be consuming social media and going on it, on it. So it's kind of one you want to have done, built together in a, in, a, in a place that you can just go and grab it and post it on the go, make a note on your phone or a, an alarm to remind you to, to post it at that, that time and, uh, and go for it. But yeah, I, I, I kind of, Used to do them all, but now I, I try not to do that many of them. But it's, a, it's certainly a work in progress even now, like to try and not let it bottleneck to me and try and let it, let someone else do it. But I, I can appreciate that that's going to require a lot of training and not just give it to someone, do a post, and here's my here's my login details, do it, because you still want it to come. It's, it's, it's your personal brand. that has to kind of sound like you and be like you. Um, I think that's why I love Instagram so much, because 
you can hit on the go. You can do a, a quick 10 second video. It's onto your story. It's it's out there. I know for only 24 hours, it feels a bit um, like a bit of work for nothing. But when you can kind of chuck regular content like that, then people can kind of follow it without coming up with a kind of constructive post that's going to remain on your your timeline. And just a question on your, you keep saying about your social media plan. Do you have like a rotation of, I'm going to post, you know, a personal post and two business posts, or do you just kind of, as it comes? As it comes, I did try and do that, uh, structure that at the beginning, but I kind of felt like the more, the more objections or the more stuff you put in your place that had to be perfect, that then the less got posted because you were trying to come up with a system to make sure that you put a personal, you put two business, then you put a X, Y, and Z. I felt like when you tried to overcomplicate it, nothing got posted or very little got posted. So it was kind of just like, right, just get something out there. With Instagram at the moment, I'm kind of looking at the the timeline because a lot is going on stories and not on the post. The, po- the wall was kind of looking a bit dry. So it was like trying to get that sorted out and, and mix and match with, you know, educational content or, you know, a bit of property content or personal content or what maybe maybe, but just, yeah, mix and match it. So it's not all the same, like, you know, we'll all, we'll all know people and, and the network as well that kind of just share the same kind of content over and over again, whether it be just business uh, and there's no personality in it. And you kind of wonder why they're not getting much engagement, not engagement, but no one reaching out to do business because people want to work with people that they kind of, they know and like, and you've got that, that personal connection to it. Kind of like what Noreen was saying there about, um, you know, getting up, getting away from Zoom and getting networking events. I'm loving the networking events because it is getting you in front of people. And yeah, and that's when you kind of click with someone that's, you know, similar interests or similar age or demographics or similar goals. You've kind of got a bit of neutral respect that you can start doing something. So if you post that personality up there, people can relate to you in different ways, not always doing another bite of let or these flipping another deal or whatever. Yeah. For me, it, your, your target audience, like you were saying, is more like education and feeding that funnel and building your network through education. But for me, it's kind of trying to find that target audience of what do I want to share? Because I do a couple of different things with lettings and projects and you know, mainly I want to be doing my own projects and developing them, but it's how you voice it so people kind of see what you're actually doing without, you know, being confused and keeping that consistent message. It's like Sam Dyer's, his is, you know, to the point everything's aimed at, you know, invest with us, we uh, buy, renovate and manage properties. And you can see that very consistently. Same with yourself. Yeah, and, and it took a while to get to that point when it was a consistent message because you are kind of trying to do, yeah, with, with all the different kind of aspects of the business, I suppose, like we're not going to just, you know, Jerry's a CMO, so maybe got one. Uh, but, you know, most of us have, you know, do a flip or do some pilots or damn, do some HMOs and there's always that little bit of diversification. So, yeah, that 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 was, for me, was probably one of the keys was to kind of try and niche down. But then you've got three or four different platforms, depending on what you, you're using, to choose your to choose what you want to attract to. So if you were saying, well, you know, I want to grow private investor fund, funding for my own deals, then post your property related deals that aimed at private investor chat and what problem you can solve for them on LinkedIn, say. And if you were looking for, I don't know, you know, here's what I'm doing, come over to me and, and source inside it or tenanted properties. And this could be like a, an Instagram or a Facebook one. So we've got different platforms where not everyone's, not all our networks are on the same platforms. So, you could be quite diversified in, in platforms that can appeal to different areas of the business. Uh, so you're not trying to be all things to all people and every single one, you're trying to 
keep that one for that and that one for that and that one for that, which is probably quite hard to do, but you, it might be the solution for you. Interestingly, you, you were talking earlier on, Stephen, about building brand on social media. And I think it was Carl asked a question about, well, if I'm doing lettings over here and I'm investing over here and I'm doing, you know, all that stuff, that myriad of stuff, there'll definitely be some of it, Kyle, that you can draw from the same audience. So there'll be some of it that you're really, what you're doing is building your personal brand. Then mm. the offshoots or the stuff that starts getting sticking a lot more is maybe where you start focusing. But the key thing, I think, from Stephen, whether you meant to say it or not earlier on, is just that initially all you're doing is just building up that um, audience, that, that, that social proof, and then ultimately you may direct it in a certain direction. So, I mean, in, interestingly, Mark, who's still in the call, Mark and Fiona, they, they built up a, a, a large following on Instagram for a certain um, niche you guys were focusing in on interior design, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, and, and it was kind of sitting there, and you're like, right, what do we do with this? And, and then you start working more on investing. And some that you'll lose some, but you're not going to lose all momentum by using that, that, that platform you've built to then maybe get a bit more focused. So Because it's, it's a bit of a juxtaposition thing. Do you get really focused to start with to grow a niche? Or do you do something a little bit wider to just build your presence, as it were, and then focus in? It's, quite, it's a difficult one to know for sure. But you guys went the other way, Mark, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So, well, it was mainly Fiona on the interiors thing, and I think she built up about twenty-two thousand. Um, and since we flipped over to Let's Thrive, it's probably dropped by about a thousand. But engagement's not brilliant. Um, but it could, you know, it could be like you said, Stephen, that people are watching and just not, you know, they're, they're not liking or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know if you noticed it with Instagram as well. Like, I don't know if it's a certain level of following stuff that they they want you to kind of convert to like the professional and business page. Where as soon as you get start posting reels, it's like they're wanting you to start paying for the the marketing of it. Yeah, and your engagement just drops and drops, and it kind of put me on a bit of a oh, fuck's sake kind of thing a few months ago. But then I realised you just keep posting, you just keep doing what you're doing, and and forget about the engagement and the the rest. There, that'll work itself out, won't it? Noreen asked a question here. Get Darren's given an answer too, but maybe we should just chat it through. Can someone explain why they choose stories? So this is was predominantly for Instagram, although Facebook do it now as well, over posts. So what's the difference between a story and a post? Um, Darren's popped in, they're easier to write and easier to consume, which, yeah, I would agree with that. What, what, what mm. would you say about the stories and posts, Stephen? And you were talking earlier on about balance yeah. to try and get. I certain, certainly the same. Um, if, if, if I saw people scrolling on social media anymore, it's never that that motion, it's always that motion. And it's, it's flicking through stories. So I think it's more of a it's more easier to consume uh, stories than than on a feed. Um, so I my tra- can, you know views and stories are really really good and engagements on that's good, whereas the posts are, are not as good. But I, I, same as Darren, it's so much easier to just post and do because they're on the move. They're kind of they're quite they don't have to be kind of scripted or because there's not much owners on it. It's not it's not going to stay on your timeline for forever until you delete it. It's very much this goes in twenty four hours, so you could be off the cuff, you don't have to put as much effort and time into what am I going to say on this video or what was I actually trying to put my point across? You can just do it, post it. Um, and then what I tend to do with that, with that is if the, if that gets good engagement and the stories, a good reaction, stuff like that, and then you can maybe go, oh, 
shit, that content was quite good. I'll I'll, I'll drill down on that content and I come up come up with a post for that next week or the week after. But you can it's kind of a good way of testing and measuring and seeing what works and seeing what people are what people will want to see from you as well. When you when you're doing your stories, um are you putting any kind I mean, are you even able to put anything that's got any kind of reference like hashtags or anything else? I'm trying to remember what you can on stories or not. I used to I used to be able to do up to 10 hashtags. I used to hide it behind the look and the location was always a good one. So tag the location, put the hashtags in, but I don't think I've not been using that for a while and I don't think that's working anymore. The algorithm seemed to change with social media quite often that you try and stay on the trends. Um TikTok trends I'm not getting involved in yet. So we're missing a trick there. But you know, the reels is the big thing now for and, and you know, algorithms. Um I, I don't know how, but uh, Facebook's uh, Facebook. What you can you can watch reels on Facebook. So when you post from Instagram, it goes onto Facebook. But I have no idea where it goes to because it doesn't go to my page. But it goes somewhere because one of the reels that I posted up uh, a few weeks back has got like three hundred and sixty thousand views, and the comments and engagements is, is you can actually see it on the on the analytics ten or twenty thousand it's from Instagram and, and the rest of the few hundred thousands from Facebook. So it goes to Facebook somewhere. I've not figured it out. This is quite a new thing. I don't know where. I actually think it's got something to do with the audio because when you put a certain audio with it, it doesn't. There's like zero views on Facebook, so it must stop it from going over. Whereas this one didn't have any audio on it, and it went straight on Facebook as well. Again, it's not on my page. I don't know where it is, but some people are watching it and engaging it on Facebook. So these things always happen and change and evolve, and it's kind of trying to keep up to date with with yeah. trends and what's working because I push them. And you've, you've, I mean, like you said earlier on, you focused in on Instagram and, uh, and to a certain extent, Facebook. Where do you feel LinkedIn's at? What has that helped you at any point at different stages? Um, you, were tar- you were targeting, from certainly from the training point of view, you were targeting um, people who are also being in oil and gas, um, which I would have thought LinkedIn might have been a place for that. But yeah, I, I think it's maybe my consistency with LinkedIn and I think the fact that LinkedIn's a bit more harder to come up with the content because it's got to be a bit fluffy bullshit. If, if anyone's on LinkedIn recently, they kind of know what seems to work and what doesn't. And, you know, it does t- take a bit of time to come up with that nonsense content that I'm just a bit like, really, to have to come up with this content. Whereas you put something quite authentic and or quite valuable or a bit with good... Um, value it's like it just seems to flop whereas if you put something fluffy up on, on, on linkedin it seems to get really really good engagement but then i have done stuff like that on linkedin before where you've got your profile all, all optimized to what you want to attract so your profile title will be what you want you know looking for investment and in my property business looking for whatever your profile then matches this thought you know description of you the call to action so when you actually come up with some fluffy stuff that goes kind of quite viral on Instagram, which is uh, LinkedIn, which is quite easy to get decent traction on on LinkedIn uh, with that stuff, but then then you, your your profile views go through the roof, and people obviously click on it, see what your call to action is that you handle, and then look through your profile. So I have had success with that, but to do it, you've actually had to create the best ones I could come up with is that you've had to create either fluffy content, which I didn't really like doing. I feel like a bit of my soul gets killed every time I do it because um, you're kind of playing to the market and which it is what it is but the other one I kind of quite enjoy doing if you can come up with it is, uh, is the controversial stuff so if you can come up with quite something quite controversial and get a bit of debate going on LinkedIn particularly then LinkedIn still if someone you know if I'm not connected to Jerry and Jerry can, like comments on my like engages in it and comments on my stuff because it's, it's engrossed him to engage because it's controversial he wants to put his opinion on it and say 
you know, I'm an asshole for believing the Taliban, whatever, you know, whatever, it's be as controversial as you can. That will then come up on Jerry's news feeds or Jerry's followers' news feeds to say, Jerry Alexander has commented on Stephen Clark's thing. So it gets you, you know, yes. hundreds of thousands of views and it's a good good way to get a good reach. But it has to kind of be out there. Like I kind of wrote stuff on person, uh, financial education somewhere and kind of slating the financial system and you got all these teachers bashing it and it, and, you know, it was like 300,000 views and it went kind of quite cool. And it's like, oh, this is cool. I'll just optimise my page to make sure that I'm... Uh, um, I'm getting the, the traction or I'm getting what need, needs to come out of this uh, but it is quite a, a tricky one I think consistency with LinkedIn is probably the downfall for me at the moment with it certainly fall I fall in love and out of love with LinkedIn fairly regularly I put a post up I actually saw somebody else in fact it was um, I think it might have even been Gavin Gallagher put a post on which was an article and I shared that which is like not original content at all. So he put an article up that had been published by somebody else, and then I'd copied, the, I'd so basically shared his post. But anyway, it still got shown to like 20 odd thousand people because it was a controversial one about, you know, at the time, you know, the, the office was dead. And I'm like, you know, that's not really going to be the case. This too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And, and it was what happened was LinkedIn, it's somewhere, someone in LinkedIn said, I'm putting that on the newsfeed because there was that controversial side. And so it went on the newsfeed and got shown to umpteen people. And obviously they, most of them were saying, well, that's the typical um, response from a landlord. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, but it, you know, it did get quite a lot of traction, but of course, you know, traction is an ego thing. Sometimes it might not necessarily give you any um, engagement. So, I mean, from some of those larger outreaches, have you managed to get, any new numbers of people that are following or engaging or yeah um, aye, it's, it's, it's quite a difficult one because the the vanity metrics things is, is something that you try not pay attention to but if, i think you're right on the money there with the views when when i post like uh, something on linkedin or or instagram or real when they get a lot of views like thousands tens of thousands of views you know you've, you've got eyes on on that whereas it's quite hard when you post on like a platform like Facebook where it won't show you the, the views. You can look at it and go, but I only got one like or, or no one even liked it. It's a bit like, shit, this is not getting the eyes. But So at least I like I think the views is a good metrics because you can see what eyes went onto it. And then, and if no one reached out to you, you know, if 20,000 people saw that content and no one reached out to you, then you've kind of, you're maybe missing something on the, I don't know, the the call to action. Here's what I do, come and work with me or come and join my mastermind group. So, so yeah, when I do get some traction like that on, on it, I try and measure what, responses you get on it. It, it, it unfortunately i mean it's not unfortunately it's probably one of the things that come with it is each of these kind of posts do get you a whole lot more followers so you know that your your reach has grown and grown so you might have not monetized that post and it came to to bring in business or an investor or whatever you're looking for but you know your, your reach has is, is, is grown um that reel that i was telling you about this that's at like 300 odd thousand views that's probably brought in four or 500 followers on Instagram in the last few weeks. So I know that's constantly dripping people in um, to it. So, so yeah, okay, it's not brought in that sale or, or whatever, but it's, you, know, it's, you know it's brought in more eyes to your, your yep. profile and what you're doing. So, so effectively it might come to fruition at some point. Further down the track, further down track yeah. It's, it's, it's a thing with social media as well. It feels like it's not a quick fix for social media because, you know, there was – things I look back to kind of years ago when you posted stuff and, and you got nothing from it. And then, you know, then you would just go and joint venture on a good flip deal with someone. And you're like, you kind of start to reflect and you go, well, I wonder why that guy wanted to joint venture. And then you think back as 
probably because he saw the social media post for two years. So if you made £40,000 from that flip project, then do you, is that where the monetary value comes from, from all the posts for the two-year period? It's, it's quite a tricky one to try and figure out and, and look at it because you know any business owner or investors want to see that they're getting a return on the effort that they're putting into yeah. a, a partner business. And social media is something that you, you just, you know, you couldn't go, okay, I've posted this, it's done X, Y, and Z, but you can't sit there and go tally up at the end of the month and say, well, you know what, that that came from these posts. So th- that's probably tracking. Tracking is really difficult, yeah, and that's a whole other <laughs> minefield. <laughs> and then, then it forces you back into the vanity metrics. How do you track the success of a post? You do, you do it on the vanity metrics, which isn't really the way to do it because, you know. Yeah, you have to start paying for expensive software. So we, we use HubSpot now mm-hmm. for some of our stuff. And, you know, you can pay them two, three grand a month for some of these mm-hmm. things. But basically, you can post through Facebook, f- to Facebook from the platform, and it allows you to track your metrics a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to just quickly jump over to because Darren, Martin, Kyle are in a queue here for questions. Um, obviously, you and Nick have been doing the the uh, podcast for a good while now, and I wondered if you saw a massive spike in your um, kind of follower numbers, your own personal ones, on the back of that, or had you had you built quite a strong following before? Um, not, not that I'm thinking I need to start a podcast, but well, but Fiona uh, might. Oh yeah, <laughs> well, she's not busy enough. It was it was a, a probably a time where uh, you could like Instagram. When I first got, I thought it was kind of late to the party again at three or four years ago, and you had to go and like follow loads of people and then unfollow them to try and get a bit of traction. And I kind of, I think I went through next. I think I got a few thousands. I went through all his followers and followed all them, then unfollowed them. Followed the same with Darren and Jillian. That's like I can right get some followers in here. But the the podcast certainly helped at the start um, because every guest we interviewed would post a story up saying we just interviewed. You know, Darren, he'd share it to his followers and I'd get, a, you know, you'd get a handful dripping in from there. So every guest every week had that, you had something going out that, was, that someone was sharing because you were providing them value. But what I realized like the last six, seven months is Instagram is very, very hard to kind of grow that follow now. Like it's really difficult. Um, so we had, I think we had about two or three guests on over the Christmas period that podcasts were going out. Um, they they had phenomenal. A lot of them were English listeners. I think it was like Nicole Brebner were like sixty eight thousand followers, and property by Kazi's at about fifty thousand. Savoy properties at about ten thousand. And, and I just shared. You know, I've been very quiet on Instagram. I thought let's let's just test this theory. So then a quick walk down story and says we've had some phenomenal guests on the podcast over the last couple of weeks. If anyone's got any downtime during the New Year period, feel free to check out these these podcasts. And I, I tagged them in it and then I posted the stories with each of their interviews and tagged them in it. And every single one of them reshared it. Now, two years ago, that probably would have got you thousands of new followers, like thousands. I didn't even, I think I got one new follower from that. So it kind of shows you that the the the, uh, the podcast certainly helped at the start, but now it's it's probably, I don't know, be very, very slow organic. I don't know. I'm, it's always a test and measure thing. But yeah, it, it did, but not not anymore. Yeah. Thanks. The, ha- the hacks that I've kind of worked out on it, Mark, one of them is, Somebody who you maybe don't know so well, um, but you maybe do some kind of collaboration with them where they do some posts with you. And and when I when I do put so you do you can see some of the statistics, right? So when I do put up a post in my own group and maybe tag somebody, it'll tell me, you know, 50 people clicked on that tag. Now I'm not saying they all became followers, but it's just that if there's something a wee bit different there and, and a different audience, then that can help. But obviously what you're doing is you're blending your audience with their audience and, and all that sort of stuff. But 
for me, the places where I've got, and my account's nowhere near like Stephen's, about a tenth, but in, in, and I'm teaching somebody over 20 odd thousand, so maybe I should just shut up, right? But <laughs> I found that when, when I've gained a reasonable number at a time, it's because I've either posted with somebody else's um, connection there or they've actually posted me as a whatever you call, you know, a, a posted my profile there as well. That's brought in a few. And another place that did bring in quite a few at one point was Clubhouse because Clubhouse is connected directly or it allows you to connect directly to either Instagram or, or Twitter. And that really did work. Now I'm not so sure, but then I'm not on Clubhouse as much as I was at the time. I think creating shareable content is probably quite quite uh, crucial. Like I think yeah. I've done, come up with something kind of carousels that delivered a value, or or you know you get the fluffy stuff that's a bit of mindset stuff, like a kind of quite a motivational quote on financial education, whatever it you you can feel quite strong about. Those ones did well for followers because it became really shareable. That you looked at the kind of the, the traction and 60, 60 people or seventy people had shared that post their story. Obviously, that went out to all their followers are watching the story, so they, they did really good. But uh, um, I can't. Um, it's a bit of test and measure, like Jerry was saying there as well. It does change, doesn't it? It mm. does change. I mean, you and I, you came down and we see Robert at one point, mm. and 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 the the stuff we discussed then is probably quite different now, you know, yeah. because the, the algorithms change. You mentioned Rob Moore there, Jerry Moore down there. I think one thing that he did say at that at that time when we were down was uh, had the importance of the personal brand was that you could take it to anywhere you want to go. So if you build up the personal brand on social media, <clears throat> if you've, you know, do five, 10 years in your property business or whatever it may be, and you want to change tact or you get an opportunity to go and do a completely different business, if you've already yes. built up that personal brand online, you can quite simply take that with you and you'll <clears throat> have a success and a following that'll come with you along along with that, similar to what Mark's supposed to do with, the, with Fiona's page on uh, the interior design, build up, build up the following, build up the brand and then can, can change it. If you've got a minute, Stephen, just for Carl, just quick add one question yeah. there. I think is it a series of questions, Carl, or one question? You got your hand up. <laughs> yeah, well, a couple, uh, but I'll try and keep it to one. The channel manager using a channel manager, you know, does that affect the engagement? You know, for me, scheduling out a month's worth of content would be great, but I've heard that you know sometimes it doesn't show it to as many people. Is that true of what you found? Yeah, but I mean, I, <clears throat> I tested it a couple of years ago and it didn't, I think it was HubSpot, I can't remember which one it was, but I didn't find it was that great. Um, it, I don't think Facebook liked it when you were trying to schedule it because it took away the social aspect of being social um, is what I read. And I don't know if it's better now, I've not looked into it again, but <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if Jerry can answer that one more. I, I, I don't know, I don't have the magic, the magic knowledge, but I would say that some is better than none. Mm. <laughs> so if you can't if you can't physically do it regularly, I mean I have to say the the great thing about stories, as you've been saying, Stephen, is it's actually more about in your mind just being ready for the opportunity to take something, to yeah. do something, and to and just to, just to have that moment to sit hold on. I mean, this is actually quite interesting. <laughs> it might be running the mill for you, but actually for others, it might be quite interesting. Whatever as you're doing at the time. But I think using later and things like that, we sometimes use that in some of the businesses because you can't, we haven't got the staff to constantly be putting stuff in. So I just, from the viewpoint of something is better than nothing. But I do think it does reduce the reach for sure. Is that your only question, Carol? Well, the, the other one was, uh, you know, how, so if you start an Instagram and you're wanting to pull your main following from Facebook over, um, 
what's the best way is it you know i see you can share your stories from instagram onto facebook is that the best way to kind of pull them over yeah link 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 the accounts together so people will cut out people will see it because you're connected either got their numbers on your phone or you know keeping them on facebook it comes up with their kind of suggestions and uh <clears throat> yeah, when you do a Facebook post, then you can kind of, aye, you know, if you want to see more of this content, jump over and follow me on my Instagram account or something, yeah. Stephen, I'm going to let you go because your daughter's going to be stood at the school gates. Thanks, thanks so. a lot, guys. Good to see you all. Thanks, thanks for joining you. us, Stephen. Appreciate yes. it. Speak to you later. enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them. enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.